You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about tension within the team. What happens when there's tension within players? Uh, a player may behave in a way that doesn't really go with your team's philosophy in terms of character and behavior and things like that. And this is something that every coach deals with in some point in their career. Uh, it's very, very hard sometimes to find a team of 12 athletes who never have any issues. If you have, that's amazing, but there's always issues that happen. What's the approach? How can we minimize this? We're going to talk about that on today's episode, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 129 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Oh, it's uh, another week of volleyball, and uh, I'm really excited. We had our last game uh, of the of the midseason, so like the first half of the season is now finished. We had our last game yesterday, and it went really well. Um, but before we get into that, for my new listeners, welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh. I'm the host of the podcast. And for my regular listeners, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Really, really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you know, the goal of each episode is to give you tangible things you can take back to your gym and apply right away, whether it's in the gym, whether it's outside the gym, as long as you can apply it to your team and, you know, spark some some ideas. You know, the whole point is to maybe take a couple things away that you never thought about before. And today's a different one. Today's not more of a volleyball per se type episode. It's more of, you know, managing a team. And it's it's interesting. You know, no one, when, I, when you go to coaches clinics and you go to learn about this game, very rarely do you, do you find information on actually running a program. You know, and I always say, this is part of the reasons, I, uh, one of the reasons I created DVA is because, I learned, I learned how to teach my players how to pass and how to hit and how to do all these different types of systems and things like that. But unless you've had a mentor who is coached at, the, at a high level who knows how to run a program, you're almost in it by yourself. Like, how do you run a successful volleyball program? Right? Besides volleyball itself, you know, we're talking about the the way that you plan a program. What are the ingredients of running a, a successful program? And no one ever talks about that. And this, these are one of the things that today I want to talk about, which is when tensions arise on your team, player personality issues, you know, what's going on there. So uh, let's, let's, uh, that's what we're going to talk about. But before, before we do that, we had a, we finished off our season yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry. We finished off the first half of our season yesterday with a, with a three, one win over George Brown college. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch that game. I put it on my Instagram story. Uh, our boys, our, our guys played fantastic. They played good ball. They were they were passing really well. They were in system. I think at one point I called a timeout. And we were passing a two point seven two out of a three point scale, and that's fantastic. And we had and we had multiple hitters involved in playing. Our setter distributed the offense really well. We followed the game plan and capitalized on what we needed to capitalize on, and we had a lot of rhythm. And what was really nice about the game is that you know I, I talk about I talk about the adaptation principle on this podcast in the past, and really it's 
making sure you're consistent in your training no matter what happens in your season. And when I say that, I mean, for example, blocking. Blocking is one of those skills that takes time to develop. You're not going to become a great blocker overnight, and it can get very frustrating. But as a coaching staff, we we realize that as an undersized team in the league, we have to have a defensive presence. We ha- and I'm, I'm, I'm a defensive-minded coach, and we talked about this last week. We have to have a defensive-minded presence, so we put a big emphasis on our block defense and our ability for our players to read, and we spend a lot of time developing it. And at the beginning, it was extremely frustrating for our players because they weren't seeing the results. They weren't getting touches on the ball. They weren't getting a lot of blocks on the ball, and slowly they stayed consistent. We kept reinforcing the same fundamentals and reads and things like that, and eventually they picked it up and they're now getting multiple touches on the ball. I mean, they're not blocking every ball because, as I've talked about in the past, our game, our game is designed for the offense to win, not necessarily the defense. So you're not going to block every ball, but you can definitely make it too difficult for the offensive players to score. You get a lot of touches, and you, and you can block some balls. And our block defense is not perfect, but it, it's so much better than it was uh, in the beginning of the season. And we won, you know, we won that. We we won three and one. Uh, we won the fourth set 25-10, and the other two sets we won was like 25-12 and 25-15. So it was it was a pretty good performance uh, on our on our team side, and I think that I hopefully we can continue doing this and continue trusting the principles and continuing to you know put push in that direction. So I, I guess the whole point of this story here uh, is be consistent. Like don't just because something is not working doesn't mean you deviate from it. You have to continue to push it because eventually it'll click. And when it does, it's a, it's a great thing. Uh, another thing I want to mention too is before um, we get into the episode, we do have a new review. I, I, I really appreciate the review. I, I love it. And I want to read this one quickly. It's called, um, so it's by Almost Superman. So thank you, Almost Superman from Canada. All right, we got a uh, coach from Canada. It says, Coach B does a great job of teaching everything that you would want to know of volleyball. He doesn't keep secrets and is truly interested in making others other better volleyball coaches. This podcast is a great listen for everything that you would want to know about volleyball. He really pulls back the veil of what it looks like to be a college coach and how it looks like day-to-day. Awesome. Well, Almost Superman from Canada, thank you so much for that review. I really appreciate it. And you know what? You're absolutely right. I, I don't keep secrets. I, I, I always tell anyone that ever asked me anything, you know, that, that, that was one of the greatest advice I got from my mentors. Well, not advice, but my mentors had just they just shared and that's how you grow the game you just share and share and share because at the end of the day i mean most of this stuff is not a secret right you may not know about it but other people know about it and it's just about growing the game and i i am i am an open book i will never not tell a coach or not give advice um unless of course i'm playing a team like tonight, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you my game plan before that in case, you know, he finds his way to the other team. And that I won't do. But afterwards, absolutely, I can tell you exactly how I was thinking about it and what, what, was, what we were doing. So thank you so much for that review. I really appreciate it. And if you haven't got a chance to review the podcast, please do. I really appreciate it. It helps grow the show, you know, rank me a little bit higher in the podcast charts. And, it, and, the, and the reason for that is, be, and the reason why I want that is because I want to reach more coaches. I want to be able to provide opportunity for a lot of coaches who, you know, may want to know some of this stuff. Okay, so <clears throat> let's talk about tension. Let's talk about problems that arise, personality problems that arise, you know, disputes, issues, fights, whatever you want to call them, because it happens. It's part of life. It's, it's very rare you find a, a volleyball team of, you know, 10 to 12 athletes who 
everybody gets along with each other. No, no, no issues ever happened. Okay, even on my team right now, I have a great team. I have a great group of guys, great character guys, and they all they they like each other. But there are still issues that happen in a game. There are still tempers that flare sometimes, emotions that get the better of certain athletes, and we have to make sure we have a system to address them. Okay, so I will tell you now. Oh, by the way, let me preface by saying, <coughs> excuse me, this is not a, a, a one answer fits all. I, I am just going to be speaking from my experience, my 15 year coaching experience. Maybe I might you know put some ideas out there. You may have a system that works for you, and th- you may get told by many other coaches many different ways of dealing with this. So there's no right or wrong answer. This is just my experience. So. If you can take an idea, great. If not, no problem. It's just another episode where I'm trying to share. So I think when it, I think I gotta start from the beginning with this when it comes to you know tensions on teams and let's paint the picture. So first of all, you have to be crystal clear on the philosophy, the identity, and the behavior that your team is going to enforce. So who is your team? What does your team look like? What do you, what do you characterize as good behavior or or accepted behavior on this team? Because if you are a type of coach that is okay with certain things happening, then that is that is what that's how you're going to coach. That's how your team is going to be. Your team, and and I and I don't mean anything like negative by this, but your team is a reflection of you, not a hundred percent, but a big time reflection of you. It truly is. And I'll tell you why, because when your team performs, if a player or if something happens where there is disrespect or there's something that is not, I don't know, how do I, how do I say this? But if there is an incident that happens where a team and you look at that team and like, wow, that team is cocky, that team is disrespectful, that is a reflection on the coach because the coach allows that to happen. And majority of the time, people are like, oh yeah, that's that's Singh's team or that's Terry's team or that's that team. They're they're just disrespectful like that. And you can't have that because it is a reflection of you. So it goes back to what I started at the beginning. In your volleyball manual that you created at the beginning of the season, you're going to outline not only the you know, the policies and procedures of your team, but what you expect from your players. You know, really wholeheartedly, what do you expect from your players? talk about respect, professionalism, you know, um, being a good sportsmanship, like showing good sportsmanship, being a, a class act, a professional player. We talk about this and what it means to be a professional player. And I I value that because I understand that my team's reflection. I mean, I tell them all the time, I'm like, by the way, guys, this is, you're not only, when you're on this team, you don't just represent yourself, you represent the team and the coaches. And we pride ourselves on being a respectful team. So we set that in foundation from day one. Okay, so that's one. Two, you have to make sure that you're selecting players who fit that character traits. Like you can't, if you if you're, if your whole thing about your team is you, there's no egos on the team, there's no egos, we play the game the right way or whatever right way that is to you, and you, 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 um, like for us, humility is a big, big part of our team. Humility. Truly, truly, truly being humble and demonstrating humility along with respect and responsibility and integrity. So when I see things like when a guy gets a block 
and they stare down the other player on the other side of the net and go ah like roar in their face for a longer a long period of time that is that does not demonstrate humility it doesn't yes i want you to be excited yes i want you to cheer yes i want you to go ah and get get excited but turn and do it to your team do it to your guys your girls, not the other team, because you know, and, and in any sport, in volleyball, that's not a lot. In basketball, when a guy dunks on someone and stares them down, they get a technical foul for taunting. So you can't do that for or for unsportsmanlike conduct, whatever it is. That's not acceptable. And we we have a, a thing on our team, and I've had situations this season where you know, in the heating at the moment of the game, you get a big block and you do that to the other team, and I stop it right away. I, I even look at the coach and say, my bad. And I even have my player who did that on the very next play go and apologize to that front court line because that is not who we are. So I've set those boundaries, those rules in place for that team to follow. And I expect my players to follow. They understand that. That is something you have to hold yourself accountable for. Whatever your identity is, whatever whoever you are as a team, you got to hold them to that standard. And it doesn't matter if it's your best player or your worst player. You got to hold them to that standard. So <clears throat> selecting the, the right character on your team is at the very beginning, it's important. You have to be comfortable with not taking a player that could be a potential starter that could be an impact player. You have to be prepared to not take that player because you know the character doesn't fit your team, your philosophy, what you expect as a from like from them in terms of behavior and attitude. So if you're willing to do that, then that's fantastic. But I can tell you something, and I, I was one of these coaches, by the way. It was very hard for me to do that, and it was, and I know it's very hard for coaches to not select a player that you know will be a starter on your team because they don't fit your your character of your team. And a lot of times coaches what you'll say is, "Oh, but I can I can change. They're going to be different when they're on my team. They're going to be different when they're on this team." No. They're not going to be different. They I, I guarantee you they won't be, especially if they're coming into a starting position. It may even be worse. So we have to acknowledge that. And once you get over that hump, that's the hard that's one of the hardest things then you're good to go. Then you could go in knowing that you selected the right character pieces. And sometimes you may make mistakes, by the way. Sometimes people's true character, athletes' true character come when they're challenged mentally and physically during the, the course of a season. And your ability to react to that and make the right decisions are important. So let's paint some pictures here for you, okay? Now that we've set, we've set the stage with behavioral understanding who you are, taking the right player, his character, all that stuff. There are situations that are going to happen. And I've had a lot of coaches reach out to me, especially this week, actually. I don't know why it was this week, but one coach reached out and reached out and said, you know, when we take a player, uh, when we when we pull a player out, when we sub them out, they go on the bench and then you can see them sulking. You can see them, not, you know, not being a team player. Problem number one, that's a problem, okay? Or when a player is having a bad game, and maybe they, they throw a little temper. They hit, they hit a chair. They hit a trash can. They do something. Right? That, that's a problem again. Or maybe you could, see the, you could see them turn on each other in the game and there's a couple of people yelling at each other in the game. Well, that's a problem. So here is, here is the thing. Now, depending on the time, most of the times this happens during a game. And it's very, very difficult to fix it during a game. It's difficult because emotions are rising. So what we do, 
okay, is you have to address it in the game. So I'll like, for example, I'll call a timeout. And I noticed like there was a couple of games ago where I noticed that two players got into a little bit on my team on the court. Because again, they're both competing. And I, when I called the timeout, I addressed it right away. I said, listen, I don't know what happened on the court, but you two had an issue. We need to fix it right now. So you're both going to apologize together and figure out how we can move forward. But I address it right away. Now, whether they actually mean the apology or not, I only care about them moving forward from that point. We can worry about the apology and what they mean later and figure out the whole situation. But in a, in a 60 second timeout, in the course of a match, you don't have time to figure it out. So it was apology, apply, my bad, my bad, let's get back to it. That's it. It was, it was easy. They got back to it. They squashed it right away and they got to move on and play. Okay. Now, sometimes that may not always happen, but that's something you have to address right away. Now, here's the thing about the sulking and moaning and things like that. And when players get really mad and angry during a game, and it's really hard to get them out of it, especially when they're in a, in a zone. So you can take them out of the game. You can have an assistant coach or you can have you go over and talk to them and say, listen, and this is the same line I tell all my players. I'm like, your behavior right now is not a reflection of this team. Right now, you're sulking or you're mad and you're making it about you. That is not a reflection of who we are as a team. We help each other. And if you're having a bad game, then let's worry about that. Let's worry about how we can help the team win. So that means you're out right now, but you can still support your teammates. You can still cheer them on. You can still be a proactive player in another way. That's relatively the same conversation I have every time something like this happens. Now, mind you, I, I like to believe that I have a, a pretty good culture on our team, which this doesn't happen very often. But occasionally what might happen is a player is having a bad game and they get mad at themselves, which happens. And I can see the frustration on their face. And then, you know, I address it with that when that player comes off the bench and they, they go, they stand with their team and they do get back into it. But it's very hard. I understand. We're emotional creatures and things like that happen. Now, when a player is sulking and when a player... Um, you know, maybe has a temper tantrum on the bench and things like that. What we like to do on our team is you you address it, but very quickly put them out, let them stop, say, go calm down, address the exact same conversation I, have, I had with you, like what I just had with you guys, and then we leave it, okay? After the game is over, some depending on the player, all right, you can have a conversation with that player right away or you could send them a message later that evening. And my simple thing is I want to, I want to listen. So I ask, I just say, hey, what happened? What happened out there? And then they tell you and you listen. And in that answer, what, you, what you're looking for is you want them to accept they made a mistake. You want them to take responsibility for making that mistake. And then how are we going to move forward? So I'll give you an example this year where we had a player get really upset at himself and unfortunately hit some things out of frustration it was frustration for him, himself. He really, really wants to help the team. But it was still a problem because it was still about him. So we took him out. He calmed down. Okay. We, I then addressed. I sent him a message saying, hey, what happened? He told me what happened. And I said, okay. And I'm like, is that a reflection of our team? Is that who we are as a team? Do we behave like that when things go bad? And it's like, of course not. Of course we don't do that. Of course we don't do that. And we, we came to a conclusion that that can't happen again. And what we did was we figured out strategies that could help him manage his emotions to make sure that doesn't happen again. Now, he had an issue with one of the players on the team. He was feeling like, you know, it wasn't they weren't connecting. So I addressed it with him. I addressed it with the player that we have on the team. 
and they come together and they create it. They have they have a conversation about it, and it's all okay. No problem. At the end of the day, we all want to win. We all want to be on the same page. No one's out there trying to lose or trying to play poorly. They're trying to do their best, and if they're not, they shouldn't be out there in the first place. Heck, they shouldn't even be on the team. But that's something that we understand. And then after that conversation, I address it with the team because you have to address it with the team. You can't just allow a player to do that and then it goes without being said because then other players may say, wait, are we allowed to do that? The coach the coach didn't say anything about that. So I had the player apologize to the team and then I say, listen, and I let everyone know. I make it a lesson for everyone. I understand that emotions are part of the game and I understand that things can you know, get out of hand, but we have to remember who we are as a team. And I always bring it back to who we are. What's the culture of this team? And everyone gets it. And it doesn't happen again. It's very rare that it happens again. Sometimes players may turn on each other, right? And here, here's another situation. And this might happen to you. You know, we had one player that was having a really bad game and it was really frustrating everyone because we needed those points. And they would just commit error after error after error. Now, when what, what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to go support that player because that player is not trying to lose. They're not trying to cost our team points. They're just not performing as good as they should be. So what happened was our players ended up, you know, not supporting them, or at least they come in, they do their thing, but you could see it in their faces and the body language that they were upset. And that player absolutely knew that they were upset at him. So here's, and this happens all the time. So I addressed that as well. I said, everybody understood that this player was not having a great game. And I'm very transparent. We we all know that this player wasn't having a great game. I won't name names, but in, in our team meeting, we said this player was not having a great game. We all know that. Now, what we did was, I could see it in all your faces, your body language, your facial expressions was very, very, very negative towards that player. We, we alienated him. And it was very evident, even though you didn't say anything to him and you still came in and said on to the next point or whatever you guys say in the huddle, you could tell that there was tension on the court. And I asked you guys, so after being upset and having these negative facial expressions and the, and the bad body language, did that help this player at all in that game? And everyone said, no, of course not. So we said, well, so now we can understand that being upset and, and having terrible body language does it support that player does it help that player perform better and everyone said that so what can we do well we could have gone and had a conversation with that player we could have said hey we got your back don't worry just just and one of the one of the reasons why they were committing hitting errors just swing with confidence we support you we trust you just make your shot make your shot just support them at least that way we have a shot and then obviously my job is going to be to take that player out if they're not if they're hurting us more than helping us but as a team, we now are in a better position to actually support that player. And hopefully, maybe he turns the corner and gets some points for us. But the negative energy, the, the bad facial expressions, these are things that are, are not acceptable. And we understand body language is contagious. You know, I'm sure you've heard me say this on the pod before. Body language is contagious. And we are we're, we have the luxury of playing a very special sport where it requires three players to touch the ball before it goes over the net majority of the time. You know, serving the only skill in our game that doesn't involve anybody else. So understanding that is, you know, in basketball, you could have one player that goes one-on-one and scores. In volleyball, it doesn't work that way. We have to be able to trust each other and we have to have the ability to 
even if a player is not playing to, to the level that they need to, we got to support that player. We got to make sure that that player feels supported because like I said, body language is contagious and having that support system, consistent support system can take you out of rough matches. I, I guarantee it. And we had this conversation, we address it. So now going forward, we, we, we kind of re, uh, how do I say this? The expectations are, everyone's reminded of the expectations. We address the issues and we move on. And I'll tell you what, yesterday's game that we won, all these problems were not existent. Mind you, we were playing really well too, but none of this happened. None of this was even a question. Even when we had some bad moments, no one turned on each other. It was great. We were supportive. So I guess the, the, my strategy to sum all this up is it goes back to who we are as a team and being true to that, being honest with yourself and allowing yourself to be true to that no matter what happens, making sure you select the right character players on your team, you know, whatever that looks like to you. For us, it's characters with humility, selflessness, responsibility, respect, team-orientated players, and generally nice guys, like good people. You know, make sure you have the one-on-ones with your players. Make sure you make sure you address any issue. Doesn't matter how small it is. Make sure it's addressed in some way. And when something happens on your team that does not reflect who you are as a coach and what you want to see as a team, you have to address it. Don't let it go without addressing it, or we're gonna be we're gonna have we're gonna have a problem. Okay. All right. Have your one-on-ones. Address it as a team. Talk to the team and move forward and have certain players have conversation with each other to make sure that they, they get it out. They get, they get whatever they got to say out. We don't, we, remember, we don't tolerate players sulking after getting subbed out or if they're not playing because, again, that's about them, not about the team. And we address that. And if that player still continues to have that, that, uh, that kind of behavior on the team, then that player is a poison to your team and you do not want that player around. And I know it sounds really harsh, but at the end of the day, it only takes one poison in your locker room to really hurt you as a team and uh i've seen that derail a lot of programs really really quickly okay so that's kind of the my my approach to it i hope that helps i hope you're i hope you see like once you have a volleyball manual with your expectations and behavioral expectations of your players it becomes a lot easier because you can always refer back to it because again it's always about who we are as a team and what our identity is and how we're making sure we're acting in accordance with that identity and you do that you're good to go. Okay. Listen, we talk a lot about this inside DVA. If you guys are interested in, uh, in joining DVA, just head on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com to get more information. Um, I have an, I have entire live trainings on these type of things and how we can build really good culture, championship type culture in our program. And I walk my coaches through it. So digitalvolleyballacademy.com, it's in the show notes. You can get, definitely go and check it out and get more information there. All right. That's it for me. I will see you next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.